Hey, Zach. Hey, Steven. How do you start things? No one knows. All right, we're in. (laughs) So, starting off with our hidden treasures for this week, Zach. Or maybe we should do like a, welcome to the Worrying Bugs podcast. And we can't tell you what it's about because we don't even know. Yeah, I guess we haven't really re-summarized what this is since the first episode. And I think that says a lot about it, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Welcome to the Worrying Bugs, a podcast that hasn't been re-summarized since the first episode. Perfect. So we're going to start off with our hidden treasures of uh, Madison, Wisconsin and... Oh, God. <laughs> Don't make me say it, Stephen. Let me Google it. Zach doesn't know how to pronounce the town he's living in. I know all the letters, but it's got weird-looking ones. <laughs> Vesteros. Okay, in Vesteros, Sweden. There you go. <laughs> uh, okay, I can go first. Uh, my hidden treasure this week is places that sell things. That sounds like a really broad thing what is is that a madison specific hidden treasure uh no but it is um it's it's different from where i was living uh when we recorded the (laughs) podcast last time which is not near anywhere that sells things and so here's the story okay so i ordered some nice paper on amazon for note-taking purposes i ordered two rhodia ice lined pads and it's good good paper uh they have white covers i was gonna put stickers all over them it was gonna be fun it was gonna be great okay when it came in the mail though they were graph paper (gasps) and that's unacceptable so i returned them to get a refund because they sent me the wrong thing so i can get a refund Mm -hmm. uh it's not a big deal i still have a few days before the the first day of classes so um i ordered it from a different seller still on amazon though Mm mm-hmm but no, when they came, they were still graph paper. <laughs> like, they could have been the same ones. I, like, wouldn't even have known. <laughs> so I returned them again, and then I walked down to the UW-Madison bookstore and bought two Rhodia lined paper pads. But they didn't have white ones, so I had to get orange. Mm-hmm. But still, it was nice to be able to just walk somewhere and find a fairly obscure thing, which is, like, yeah. non-recycled paper. Yeah. I also have been to stores, and usually when one of us gives a gives a positive thing, the other one adds to it by saying their own experiences with it, so I too have been <laughs> to stores. Thank you for analyzing. Don't analyze it too much, because of the, that way um, it's a trade secret, Zach. We can't just be giving out our <laughs> formula here. <laughs> okay, well, the formula says that next I should say something that I like about Vosteros... V- v- Vesteros, Sweden. Uh, and that's all of the cafes. Which, like, albeit, there are a lot of cafes, many places. Um, but Sweden is a, a different kind of coffee culture. It's a little more sit-down. There are a lot more, like, actual nooks and crannies. A lot of Starbucks you go into and it's everything is just chairs facing right. the inside, basically. Right. Uh, and in Sweden, a lot of times there are, like, you'll go up a set of stairs and turn right, and it's a little room for four people to sit in and drink their coffee and talk for a little bit. Uh, and I think part of that is 
so Sweden has this thing called uh, Fika, and the moment you like type Sweden into the search bar or s- set foot in the country, someone will walk up to you and say, hey, did you know that Fika is the thing in Sweden? And you'll say, oh, okay, because a lot of times travel guides will uh, heighten certain aspects of things. But Fika is actually a big thing in Sweden. Okay, what is it? Uh, just like going for coffee with people, usually in the <laughs> afternoon. Okay. It's just taking a little break and going and get co- getting coffee, uh, usually a this cinnamon is, bun. This is my first, this is my preferred uh, form of afternoon break. Like, Spanish cultures have siestas, Americans mm. generally just don't, <laughs> but this is good. Coffee breaks are good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't actually find any numbers, but it it feels like there are more. I, entirely based on feel, it feels like there are more. All right, fair. Um, and just generally, if you have a break time or you get confused about military time and show up somewhere two hours early, <laughs> or uh, it's a good place to go and get some work done. The Starbucks on campus, the only Starbucks on campus, is closed for renovations. So, on Double Star Day this month, mm-hmm. for the Starbucks Reward members, it was very fun to sit near the food trucks and watch all the people go to the Starbucks, realize it's closed, shake their head in <laughs> agony, and walk away. Or walk the other <laughs> direction towards the Collectiva down the street. Do you know what cafes tend to have? Public Wi-Fi. You're right. They do. They usually have... Public Wi-Fi. Okay, that's, that's a good angle. Um, so yeah, cafes usually do have public Wi-Fi, and usually they're actually like kind of complex because you have multiple people signing on. You don't just want to give it out for free. You want to have some sort of authentication procedure. Sure. Uh, and all of that is stuff that you set up in the router. So I am now in a class run by Cisco who make routers that's what they do routers and switches and all that kind of networking stuff and the class that i'm in is basically the cisco certified network administrator class okay and i have some complaints about it all right complaint one the first chapter was just kind of an overview of the internet and like how great the internet is and that you can connect to the internet by using a program like microsoft internet explorer or Uh, the whole class requires Flash. Oh, no. Like, every single page requires Flash. Um, and it just, it feels like it's teaching you for the test, not for you actually to understand anything. Mm-hmm. It's very much, here are the four steps you should go through when you want to do this specific thing, and not, here's a list of all of the things that you can do with this router. Because it's all just command line based, so they could just give you like an appendix that was the command line printout. Right. But instead they say, here you need these three specific, you need to type IP address 66.22.18.4. Gotcha. Yeah, so they're, yeah, that's not a good way to teach things for no. actual understanding. And it And it means that sometimes they... For example, they talked about subnet masks and how you set up a subnet mask and that you need to have this subnet mask when you set up an IP address, and they never said what a subnet mask is. Oh. I, 
Thinking about it now, I'm guessing it's which bits of the number can be changed. So if your switch has uh, an IP address of like 192.168.10.1, the subnet mask is uh, usually 255.255.255.0. That's the one they've been giving us. Okay. And just logically thinking about that, 255.255.255. The, the subnet mask they've been giving us um, would be, in binary, a whole bunch of ones and then a string of zeros at the end, which would line up with whatever each dotted decimal is of the IP address. So I think that that means that the only thing that can change is the thing that comes after the last dot. And that's why after the last dot on the subnet mask is a zero. That would have taken two sentences to explain, if that's what it actually is. And I need to actually <laughs> confirm that now at some point. But then it makes more sense. And I know that if something's going wrong, I can actually change it to 255.255.0.0. Right. Yeah. Let in more things that can change. Mm-hmm. And so it's a digital course. So I can do it at my own pace. But I really don't want to sit and read through every single thing. Do you have any ideas on how I can learn this in a less mind-numbing way. Uh, lynda.com, maybe? Maybe. I've been thinking that. Um, I, I am 100% sure that there's a hundred other ways to learn how to manipulate a Cisco router, mm-hmm. uh, including just going to the Cisco website and saying, hey, show me a list of all the commands. Yeah. Okay. Which so. might be a better option if you and you can just like click through the class then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they do provide us like self-test exams and quizzes and stuff that don't actually count for any credit. Oh, so okay. I could do Linda, do those, and then fill in the gaps. All right, that is Linda.com. Uh, if you would like to sponsor us, that'd be <laughs> just great. Speaking of things you can learn on Linda.com. Oh? Uh, one of those things is probably, at least to some degree, how to make an iPhone app. Yeah, they have numerous courses dating all the way back to really old iPhone apps. <laughs> uh, so I had this idea. Um, I'm planning on moving into an apartment for my sophomore year with a few of my friends. Mm-hmm. And I like them a lot, but I we all do. We all feel like it's important to have at least an informal roommate agreement. Yeah. Uh, saying things like, this is how I like to keep the house, this is when I sleep, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Who's like, what's the responsibility for taking out the trash and yeah. doing the dishes and that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, so I'm in the process of typing up a document that we can each have a copy of. Mm-hmm. And this works fine, except paper can get damaged or lost or remarked. Yeah. Have you signed? Like, have you actually looked at houses yet? Uh, we have a security deposit on one. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, So here's the idea. An app or website that each of your roommates can have a separate account on. And on it, you can customize and digitally sign your agreement, print it off and whatever. Then it it stays safe on the website servers, and it doesn't allow changes unless all the roommates involved agree. Steven, you don't need to store this on the website servers. Okay. This is one of the few things that you can actually legitimately say that there's good reason to put it on the blockchain. Yeah, I know, but I also uh, it's 
It's a digitally signed agreement. That's what the blockchain is. <laughs> yeah, but I think sort of it, the um, but like g- just generally the uh, I'm sure there's a way to do it, but the way most blockchains are set up right now, the group as a whole has to or 50% or more of the computational power has to agree that this is the change that's going to be made. Okay. So if someone just has a better computer, they could change the roommate agreement. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And I, I think I'm sure there's a way to get around to stop mm-hmm. that from happening, but I think it'd just be easier to keep it on a server. Yeah. So would it have like sections and drop downs or would you just type it up and agree? Um, I was thinking you could do uh, templates and stuff and then mm-hmm. maybe add your own custom questions, but it would be customizable fully. You wouldn't have to tell someone to take out the trash. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also been trying to think of some like funny kind of agreements to put in there. The only one I've come up with so far, and this is stolen from the Big Bang Theory, is um, in the event of a zombie apocalypse, uh, if you're bitten, would you like to be killed before or after you turn? Ah, uh, okay. Yeah? I, I'm trying to think of more of them, so if you have any ideas, please mm-hmm. send them in. Now I'm, now I'm on a on the, the sci-fi bend. I can't I can't think of anything good at the moment. Okay. But I think it's it's a good idea overall. And I think it'd probably be better just as a web app, so you wouldn't need to make two different kinds of Sure. Yeah. Phone app. You can just make it work like make a good mobile version and a good desktop version. Yeah. I'll make it in polymer, make it responsive, that kind of thing. Yeah. If it happens, I'm busy. But then Steven, couldn't you go in and edit it? I mean, yeah, but well, okay, so we can encrypt it with um, multiple keys. Mm-hmm. Mm, could you? Yeah, is there a way? To, oh, God. Hmm. Because you basically want it to be, everybody needs to use their key to make it or modify it, but only one person needs their key to look at it. I doubt there's a way to do that. It just seems so... Hmm. Okay, Here, here's something. Okay. There's four separate files. Each of them, each of them, it, uh, okay. You could just do it on Google Docs and track changes. Well, yeah, but, <laughs> okay, I'm getting, this is completely unnecessary because you can just say no. The server can just say you can't do that without the consent yeah. of your, but, okay. Here's how you can do it completely securely. Okay. I think. I'm, I can think of a flaw right now, but I think I can get around it if I could just keep talking. So, uh, there's four separate files. Uh, each of them is encrypted with the uh, with the, the respective roommate's key. Yeah. Um, if they go to make changes, that is pushed to the other roommate's account. The other roommate's account, right? And... Mm. Um, they can choose to, uh, maybe not. Never mind. That won't work because it's still. We do this with our with our Bitcoin wallet, don't we? Yeah, I don't know we how that works either. Sign something to send it out, but we can look at it. That's okay. Yeah, if it's a blockchain, it works fine. But ah <laughs> uh, no, now I have to put it in the. Um. Yeah, maybe I'll make an Ethereum thing for it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear total tangent? Did you hear about Ponzi coin? <laughs> no. 
I heard about it on Twitter, so not entirely verified, but allegedly somebody made a digital coin, called it Ponzi coin, had an ICO, people dumped like $250,000 into it, and the guy who invented it just upped and up and away with the money. Called Ponzi coin. Like, that was, yeah. that was up front. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of a good way to do that other than just standard server security yeah okay here this is how you do it okay five copies of the file okay one Mm -hmm. that's encrypted with each each of the keys for each roommate and then one that's encrypted with all with all the keys okay and that that one is the you know the master copy and it doesn't get changed Without well, the other ones don't get changed until the master copy changes. Yeah, and even if you did change them somehow, even if I went into my own server, unlocked my contract, mm-hmm. and changed it, uh, I wouldn't be able to change the agreements that the other ones pull from. And so when you change or make the contract, it changes both yours and the master one if there's all four keys. This is probably adequate. But a problem is, you as Steven could go into the server, you could know the four other people's public keys, and you could encrypt the thing. You could write your own new file and encrypt it. Mm. With all of their public keys, because oh. you're just saying you need a private key to no, get you could, at it. No, you could do it the other way. You could, you could store as a password or something, you could store the public key on the server and... That sounds like... Okay, you could store the public key on a server. Yeah. Okay. And the user would enter their private key to unlock all the stuff. But just for verification purposes, you could use public-private keys. Okay. As long as, you're, as long as the server isn't storing those private keys when it's using it to unlock the document. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sends it encrypted to your computer and you... This is far too complicated for any commercial <laughs> purpose. Um... <laughs> However, I am glad that we figured that out because it made me happy what's knowing the, that it could work. Uh, what's the time to market is the wrong buzzword. Um, what's the ROI revenue stream? Oh, uh, as far as a business plan, I don't know. Um, I I can think of lots of ways to make money on this, but I hate all of them because I just get so annoyed with web apps like that where it's like, you can have three things in your roommate agreement. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh my god! Or yeah, those you can are... have unlimited for ten dollars a month. Yeah, See, that's it. Bad. Would probably be easiest just to put like a PayPal me button. Yeah, or um, I'll have it mine Bitcoin with their JavaScript. I don't know. Ads. I could do ads. I don't like ads either, but yeah, it's no. better than mm. subscription services. But yes, donate is the best way. Um, on the that's the revenue model on the uh another water tracker as well isn't the revenue model to sponsor us on patreon yes <laughs> and one of the reasons you might sponsor us on patreon is that we are a premier resource for all of your milk politic related information i am actually fairly certain that we are the only milk politics podcast <laughs> or news outlet in general 
Like, yeah. we're, we are definitely not specifically milk politics. Mm-hmm. But I think we have the percentage of things that we talk about is. Okay, no. The percentage of times we talk about milk politics compared to other things is higher than almost any other source of news. Yeah. I can't think of another one. Maybe, like, WMPR for Wisconsin? <laughs> That's not a thing. Not No, just WPR, not NPR. Yeah. Because Wisconsin isn't national. Wisconsin national. <laughs> but even then, they're mostly talking about actual politics and not what the farmers are doing this week. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, which, what are the farmers doing this week, Zach? Um, so I'm not sure what the farmers are doing this week in uh, in Wisconsin especially, but I do know some milk politic-related stuff in Sweden. I figured I'm in a new country. I should figure out what the milk politics situation is. Uh, it's, it's my shtick at this point. So I typed milk politics Sweden into my search bar. <laughs> and the first thing that came up was this resource, this article, and I'm not going to say the headline because it was super inflammatory, but it was inflammatory enough to get me interested. So I clicked <laughs> into it, and I, I went, th- it was a whole big rabbit hole. You got sent a picture from like halfway through. Yes. I, I didn't know what to make of it. I didn't, <laughs> I couldn't, I was really, it was, it was conflict in me because I wanted it. I wanted Zach to be like really, really deep into milk politics mm-hmm. for this picture to come up. But at the same time, I was also kind of hoping that it was like the first thing you saw <laughs> when you entered into the sphere. Should we uh, put that that screenshot that I took somewhere? Yeah, if you took a screenshot. Yeah, I did. Okay. And I don't know, like a news outlet had it, so I don't think we should... It's just weird. It it's wasn't... just weird. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh... Not weird. Uh, s- strange. It's unusual. Unusual. There we go. Disconcerting. Okay. Not so typical anyway. for uh, mass media. <laughs> I'm going to go into um, the story of this. Stephen, were you aware that only roughly half of the world has lactase, the enzyme that allows you to drink dairy without your stomach getting super upset with you i thought it was a lot higher than that i didn't check it many places it's not all of the world for sure so you said 50 um, percent of people are lactose intolerant is that what you're saying yeah okay i'd find that hard to believe but keep going maybe well, just... so i think yeah i think the reason you find it hard to believe is is it uh it's a mostly northern european characteristic okay and a lot of the people you're around are Northern European in descent. Hmm. In Wisconsin, especially. That's Germany up through Scandinavia. Poland a little bit, I suppose. Um, so that, that can be linked to being European with some accuracy. Might be the word. What's the word I'm looking for? Let's go with accuracy. Okay. Confidence. Yeah, yeah. Confidence. Because of this and other things that were happening, I didn't, the whole, the whole context of it was a bit lost on me, but I do know that a bunch of white nationalists got together on 4chan and decided to go to Shia LaBeouf's anti-Trump art installation, which was being live streamed on the internet, and just chug milk from the bottle shirtless. Okay, let's back up. Yeah. So... Where did you say this was happening? 
uh i think new york okay uh, a, a metropolitan city in the u.s for sure okay so my next question is they were bottles not jugs but bottles did i say bottles you said bottles okay I, no okay. they were like Cartons. half gallon okay. cool um plastic things yeah so do i have my final question is do i have to be worried that milk is going to turn into a symbol of um white nationalism is that what you said yeah yeah you do i have to worry about that okay yeah so i say we launch a uh anti-campaign is that what it's called where we go to peace rallies chug milk and say yay go peace or something (laughs) like that that... wear shirts that say stop fighting and drink milk yeah like black lives matter shirts (laughs) and drink milk that's the new the new milk campaign it's on the front it's black lives matter and on the back it's got milk To distance themselves from the alt-right because it's a thing we need to do. Because after this event happened, um, prominent alt-writers, like on Twitter and stuff, um, Richard Spencer, who is famous for being punched in the face, <laughs> okay, uh, started, like, in the middle of his name on Twitter, he used a milk glass emoji where he used to have a frog which stood in for Pepe the Frog, oh, which no. was another great, wholesome bit of content that the frickin' I fully expect a yes, yes, no very soon. Yeah. That's a show called, well, no, it, it's part of a show called Reply All on the Real AFM. Wait, is it Real AFM or Gimlet? Gimlet. Gimlet. It's on the Gimlet network. It's very funny, but basically they analyze memes and I fully expect them to take on the milk emoji next. God, ah, uh. <laughs> I'm going to have to start drinking almond milk lattes, and now, just so I don't look racist, Zach. Yeah. Uh, so, a quick diversion. This is actually not a new thing. Uh, apparently, the notion that white is better because we can drink milk, uh, <laughs> that kind of propaganda dates back to at least the 1920s. Oh, my God. Coming from the U.S. Dairy Council, uh, who said that this, like, basically said, this group is better. The The one group who can drink milk is better, smarter, faster. Oh my gosh. Why is this happening during my lifetime? And also before my lifetime, why is this happening at all? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> question. I blame European colonists. That's my final answer. Um... So then I then I went down a sub rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> only on the, the worrying United bugs, States. people. Only on the worrying bugs do we have <laughs> rabbit holes within rabbit holes, and we actually have a name for them: sub rabbit holes. <laughs> the United States dairy industry has this really weird grip on the American diet. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, um, it's it's just weird. Like, um, school lunches. Are usually served with milk, mm-hmm. or uh, like the the WIC Women, Infants, and Children. It's a sponsorship program for um, women, infants, and children who don't have enough to get by to get food and infant formula and that kind of thing. And a lot of the WIC sponsored products are dairy based. And some of them are not, which is good. But in the light of the fact that only fifty percent ish of the world has lactase, it's kind of jacked up. 
Yeah, it's strange. I mean, I never thought about it before. I guess I've always attributed it to um, what I've always been told growing up in Wisconsin. Like, milk is fantastic for you. It has calcium and protein, and uh, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have a lot of the bad things that uh, things like soda or um, juices have. Like, it doesn't have a lot of sugar in it, that kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, and, but I didn't realize that only 50% of people can drink it without feeling sick. Okay, we've said that number enough that I'm going to do some really quick double-checking of that because okay. I don't want to get the entire way through this segment and then... Okay. If it turns out to be something like 75, um, I think we should dub over it and say... And just make one monotone 75 and then copy-paste it all, over all those 50%. Oh my god. The Lactose Intolerance Wikipedia page has a rehabilitation segment. And Wikipedia is really general about it. They just say that the frequency is somewhere between 10% in Northern Europe and 95% in Asia and Africa. Okay, so uh, the about 50 number wasn't super off. Um, Most resources I'm finding say somewhere between like 60 and 70. Okay, still it's kind of... Ridiculous, mm-hmm. actually, to be, um, I mean, I maybe I'm just living in Madison, Wisconsin, and th- that's why, yeah. but, like, I can't go get food without dairy in it. Like, I can, but, like, mm-hmm. it severely limits my options. Like, even more so than, uh, I, it, it seems like there are more vegan options in the dining hall across the street than there are dairy-free, which is... Stephen, I have some news for you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh... <laughs> I meant vegetarian. I said vegan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this vegan cheese here. <laughs> um, and and that's because, according to this website, pcrm.org, uh, it's only about 25% of the U.S. population who... Um, what actually happens is you lose your lactose, lactase enzymes as you grow up, as you, like, get off infant formula, usually... Oh. That you, makes sense. Yeah. So most most are born with some sort of lactase enzyme in them, but by the time they get older, they lose it. Okay. Is there a way to slow the the loss of your lactate en- enzymes? Not that I know of, besides genetics. Okay. I'm just wondering, if I drink more milk, will I be able to drink milk for longer? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Okay. We're going to go with that. I'm going to go buy a gallon quick. <laughs> All right. Or you can just keep drinking lattes. That'll... I'm okay with that. Oh, you can't make that hand sign either. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I made an okay sign. Yeah, so in the light of all of this, uh, the, the Shia LaBeouf art installation milk chugging and the fact that a rather a majority of the population can't drink milk without intestinal issues. Uh, the Swedish Total Defense Research Institute classified milk as a hate symbol. Uh-huh. So I think it is accurate as far as what they are promising. That if you see someone with the milk symbol or um, that Pepe the Frog, there is a chance. That is, that is a symbol that is used by a member of the alt-right. Just like the number, oh god, 12, there's apparently some 12-word phrase 
and so the number 12 is just used as a shorthand for it. That doesn't mean you're not allowed to say the number 12, but it means if you just sign off a Facebook post that seems to have some weird undertones with 12, then it was probably a racist thing. So if I say a not blatantly racist thing on Twitter and follow it up with a milk emoji, that makes it racist. Maybe. I, I don't think that's the use of it. Okay. I guess I don't really need to know the correct use of it. I think I'll just find that out as it develops. Yeah. And hopefully just won't develop and I will never know. But, uh, mm-hmm. yikes. But a lot of, a lot of, especially alt-right publications are jumping on this and saying, oh, look at this. Sweden is saying that milk is a hate symbol. Isn't that just awful and so horribly wrong? And that's why I didn't lead with Sweden has categorized milk as a hate symbol because there's a background to it and okay. a, an explanation yeah. for why they drew that conclusion. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. You have two more bullet points on the agenda. I do. Uh, last week, we were talking about milk politics in Sweden shortly, and I said that they used oat milk a lot more here, which I had never seen before. And you said that I needed to go buy some oat milk and drink it so I could give a review this episode. Here is my review of oat milk. It's not bad, but it's definitely not milk. <laughs> okay. Uh, how's it compared to almond milk or soy milk? Um, soy milk, it's about the same. I think the closest comparison I would actually draw is rice milk. Um, just okay. because the one that I got, the just like drinking kind, still has some of the grit to it, some of the grain. But they also make the barista oat milk, and the, there's so many products, so many <laughs> different oat products. I have a list of them down here. They make uh, the barista, the stuff that goes in your coffee. They have a bunch of different drinks with, like, orange mango and chocolate flavor. Uh, they have juice box-shaped oat milk stuff, so you just buy the little juice box of oat milk and stick a straw in it and drink it like that. Um, they have oat energy drinks. They have oat yogurt. I have a question about the energy drinks. Okay. Do they, at least the way they advertise it, is it like, oats will invigorate you, or is it like, is it more, we added some caffeine to oat milk? I think it is closer to the latter. I'll look at their natural energy strawberry and elderflower website. Keep active, focused. Okay, well, it's that you need carbohydrates to do things. Okay. But it's mostly just the oat stuff, like their oat base, fruit concentrate, lemon juice, and the natural flavoring. So there's not any added caffeine, but it's still their natural energy drink. Okay. So there you have it, folks. Oat milk. Oh, there's more. Oh, there's more? There's oat cheese, or oat cheese spread, actually. It's not oat cheese, but like... The Swedes use flavored cheese spreads in a lot of their stuff. I haven't tried it yet, but apparently it's a big thing. Uh, they call it caviar. It is not caviar. <laughs> Creme fraiche, but it's oats. Uh, a whipping cream replacement based on oats. Ice cream replacement based on oats. And a custard sauce based on oats. And those are that's the full range of products offered by the single oat milk company. Okay. I would like to put out there that I don't trust ice cream that's not made from milk. I don't even like frozen yogurt that much. Really? Yep. It's not nearly as good. And that's just a personal opinion, but it is yeah. fact. Okay. 
I mean, I'm I, no Culver's is custard, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Also, not as good as ice cream. <sighs> that I might get some heat for, but uh, custard just can't compete because it's too thick. Um, part of the appeal of ice cream to me is the fluffiness. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, sh- it should be thick. It shouldn't be like whipped, but it should be. <laughs> it should have those air pockets that just don't exist in custard, frozen custard. Yeah. Stephen and I are pseudo experts on ice cream because one time we made ice cream for school. Uh, how many times did we make ice cream for school? Like seven. Well, I only did once. Little, uh, little farmer, you never went to the uh, not little farmer, uh, Dan the farm. We didn't make ice cream there, I don't think. Oh, you missed out. Um, but we like learned all the science behind it in Cirrus one year. Well, yeah, but I- I'm just saying like that was not nearly my first time making ice cream. No, yeah. But yeah, uh, in rural Wisconsin, at least, there is this thing called Dan the Farm, where you find a, a kid with a farm, and you tell them to ask their parents if they can, if the, the entire school can look around their farm. It's not hard to find a kid who lives on a farm, by the way. No, it is not. Um, but yeah, you go around and you look at the big tractors, uh, you see where they milk the cows, it looks like a barn, and then they put ice milk and sugar and vanilla into a bag and you shake it until you have ice cream okay i do remember that (laughs) it's not very good ice cream yeah actually quite terrible yeah but you feel good because you're a you know six-year-old or whatever whenever they start doing that for you and you have Mm -hmm. ice cream and you just made it with your own hands by shaking it or if you're smarter than the rest of us, you just mix in the milk, sugar, and vanilla and just drink that and don't try to make it into ice cream. So when you go to Day on the Farm, uh, one thing that you do get to do is walk through all of the like the, the places where they keep the cows. It's not You don't call it a barn, do you? Because they're like the size of a city block, basically. Um, yeah, I guess I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, let me think. I definitely do know the name. Cowtube. <laughs> yeah, the, these cows are dairy cows, and they generally aren't uh, free-range. Mm-hmm. Or even, like, most of the time in a fenced-off area, they're just in their uh, containment unit. Gosh. Yeah, what is it called? Hold on. I'm Googling cow storage. <laughs> reddit ask farmers where do you put the cows eight six oh my god the first the first result is eight six six get a cow <laughs> uh cow is an acronym for container on wheels oh okay yeah <laughs> but that's funny um big cow barn name could probably look up rosendale dairy and see what uh-huh that's a good one too i don't know how i do know how to make a barn i want to know what it's called a big one derivations what okay the physics term barn is a subatomic unit of area 10 to the negative 28th meter squared no i want a good one about rosendale dairy it's largest in wisconsin mw fermenter that's not what I want either. Stables, but uh, okay. Here, uh, buyer or shipon. These don't sound right. But. I'm just gonna call it a cow tube and leave it at that. Okay. Um. So when you're at day on the farm and you are walking around the cow tube, 
there is a strong smell of cow manure. Yes. Can't control Strong that. smell. Uh, and a, a lot of that cow manure is releasing methane gas, which is bad for the environment. Right. Cows are actually one of our top uh, greenhouse gas emitters. I mean, they make the top 10 list, but they're, they're, it is a small percentage compared to massive factories and such other things. But continue. Yeah. Anyway, now I'm going to get up and go get uh, a carton of oat milk. Be right back. Okay. So, Stephen, because you are aware of the uh, dangers of milk and of cows, the harm that they pose to our planet, I would like to welcome you to the post-milk generation. Okay. Oh, no, that never mind. That's the wrong. I, I read the wrong side of the carton. This is the one. Dear Prime Minister, how do you do? You probably have a lot of decisions to make on how to keep everyone in the country happy. Good luck with that. But please remember that no decision is bigger than making sure there is a country to make decisions for in the future. If we don't do something about the... And then it's scribbled out. Climate change. We are goners. What can we do? One suggestion is to cut meat and dairy consumption, which make up to 14% of greenhouse gas emissions. That's more than all planes and trains and cars and boats and rockets and go-karts combined. Anyway, now you know. What you do with this information is up to you, but you can't say you didn't know because you have read this, and well, you do, John. And that is on the side of every uh, carton of oat drink in Sweden. Huh. Okay. And that's another part of milk politics. There was not much of a conclusion I drew from that, but... So, who is John, does it say? John is the... Oh, shoot. Is John might be the guy who made it. There's a bunch of pictures of the guy who invented Oatly just kind of standing creepily in a field. Oh, the Oatly CEO is Tony Peterson, so... Never heard of him. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know who John is. Okay. Just some dude. So anyway, that's... <laughs> That's all the milk politic news from Sweden. Sounds good. Uh, we'll be back in a fortnight with possibly more milk politics, if there are, are any that we know of. It's a big and bustling world out there. <laughs> and there's milk happening every day. And now, a PSA from the Worrying Bugs. Would the girl holding open the doors to the subway please stop? This has been a PSA from the Worrying Bugs. So I went to Stockholm yesterday. Okay. And um, there's a subway in Stockholm, like a lot of large cities. And uh, one thing that subways usually do is as you are like getting on at your station, uh, if it's been longer than whatever amount of time and the doors are still open because people are still going in and out and triggering their sensors, a little voice will come on and say, stand clear of the closing doors, please. Okay. Which is just a reminder that, hey, this train needs to get moving, so please step in or step out. Um, so I was in Stockholm, and uh, in Swedish, as I boarded the train, a voice comes on and says something. I could not repeat it because I don't know Swedish well enough yet. 
And I turned to the person who was kind of guiding the group around and said, was that just like stand clear of the closing doors, please? She said, no, that was could the girl who was holding open the train doors please stop? (laughs) I said, oh, they know like they call you out specifically. She said, yeah, one time uh, some guys spit on the window of the train conductor. And he got on the PA system once they got on the train and said, Hey, to the kids who just spit on the window, I have you on video and we'll be contacting your parents. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, I'm going to go put the milk back. Okay. So it doesn't spoil. Does oat milk spoil? These are important questions that I don't know the answer to. My guess would be that... Oak milk does spoil, but it spoils less quickly than cow milk. Probably. But I don't have any evidence that is just my intuition. I should do some experiments. Or Set Google it. Different kinds of milk. See how quickly they spoil. Or, or Google it. Eh. <laughs> what do you call spoiling? Because, like, some, depending on what you're using it for, you can still drink cow milk after it starts smelling a little bad. It start, like it starts smelling bad before it starts tasting bad. Mm-hmm. I, I, so what do you call spoiling? Like, what's the cutoff? What is the point where you're like, this is spoiled? Uh, when there are lumps in it. Hmm. Well, in that case, you could just get skim milk and it would never get lumps. <laughs> it would just taste disgusting. You could, like, I don't know, there's probably some measure of it. Like, from the FDA to consider milk spoiled. Like, you could do when it makes you sick and then you could just become sick get better do another carton of milk uh-huh oh and you have to have a um at least three of each kind of milk just to make sure it wasn't a fluke mm-hmm. yeah so i think you'll zach's gonna be out of commission for uh <laughs> uh seven or eight weeks you say you think yeah probably that puts a bad taste in your mouth of sweden <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Listeners, you can't possibly getting a, be getting as much enjoyment out of that pun as I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, so I've been here in Sweden, like, talking with other foreign exchange students and Swedes, and I've just been bottling up all of the puns because I don't want to come flying at them full force with, like, an array of <laughs> puns in a language they mostly get, but not... Not entirely, yeah. And so yesterday when I went to Stockholm, it was with a couple other people from America, and they just kept going. I couldn't couldn't stop them. <laughs> no, I, I I know what you mean though. You you definitely get into like a mood, um, a like you just get on a roll and you just keep going with the puns. Total Af- after like after like two or three, you just can't help yourself but notice them. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Zach. Your yearly heading was not to make less puns. No, that would be the wrong heading. That would be like a 180 from where my heading currently is. That's not true. So can you remind us what it was? Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a follow-up, I think. Okay, so uh, the the label that I slapped on it was the explained year, um, but mostly what it was is I just want to look more critically at the things that I am doing and see why I am doing them, what they are driving me towards, um, and so the, the goal is a, to look critically at the things I'm doing in a moment and see if it's even a thing I want to be doing. Um, and then B, if it's 
a thing that's to, to, to make more progress on certain things, I guess is the best way to put it. Okay. And how's that going? Um, I just moved to Sweden and that's been, <laughs> you know, a, a culture shock. So all right, I suppose, but not at the pace that I would have expected it to if I was back in the U.S. Um, I've been trying to meditate a little more often uh, to separate like the work day in quotes where I'm at school and doing schoolwork from my time at home when I'm just relaxing. I can edit video or I can whatever. The to-do list doesn't matter as much after the meditation is the goal. It hasn't gotten there yet. Okay. Um, Some of the problems I hope to address with social media are still there. That crops up more when I have like a, a particular thing I'm not trying to think about or I get more stressed or... Uh, yeah, it it pops up. So then I can see that and notice it, but I haven't really done anything about it as far as explained year goes. Okay. Uh, one thing that I intend to do is I'm going to try and print out, I have this impossible list, which I think I've explained a couple times. I'm Yep. It's like a bucket list, but more achievable. Yeah, right. More, and, less specific goals, I think, was what I got out of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to stick it up somewhere so I can actually see it because right now it's just sitting in a file on the internet sounds good how about you what's uh, your my yearly heading this year was uh the year of effort mm-hmm. and the general idea was that i would raise the bar of what is too much effort to be worth to be worth doing uh and raise it by a lot and i think it's going well awesome uh, so far the main differences in my da- daily routine are things like getting up right when my alarm get, goes off instead of hitting snooze a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started journaling again. I'm making a conscious effort to sit up straight at my desk. Uh, and I'm not... Uh, I'm not doing an assignment just to get the grade. I'm going. I'm trying to use the assignment to learn things, to practice, or whatever the goal mm-hmm. of the assignment was. Uh, I was worried at first that I wouldn't be able to keep it up like I was worried that I was going to change too many things at the same time, and I wouldn't be able mm-hmm. to... It, it'd be too much to uh, to maintain, I guess. Uh, but that doesn't seem to be happening. I mean, it's only been... It's been less than a month because it didn't start right away at January, because I don't know why. But my theory is that because most of the stuff I was doing already, just not every day or not as well, it's not that much of a change to just try harder at it. Yeah. It also helps that I'm feeling immediate results for changing some of my behavior. Uh, it makes me feel good to put in the extra effort and to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not just submitting things with a, all right, well, I guess that's good enough. And, and that just yeah. feels good, you know, to be proud of what you're doing. Yeah. Cool. That's yeah. It sounds like it's taking you the direction you wanted it to go. So far, yeah. <laughs> Do you have a plan for the next step on it? Um, no, I'm pretty much just keeping it at this for now. Uh, keep limiting it, limiting it to doing the things I'm already doing better, doing it more often. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will certainly let everyone know when I decide to take it a step further and taking it probably too far. <laughs> It'll probably happen. <laughs> You said that you were waking up when your alarm gets up, gets you up. Mm-hmm. And that made me think about 
Um, some of the challenges I've been having in Sweden with sleeping, it started with jet lag and then just there are things that end at midnight and then the next morning I have something at 9 a.m. And I want to know if like sleep gurus, sleep professionals and productivity gurus just entirely forego one chunk of time for socializing Hmm. or for involvement in anything. If they just blanket say, okay, no, I can't do anything after midnight. If you invite me to a thing that goes past midnight, I cannot do it because my sleep is more valuable than any of my friends. <laughs> um, I don't know. The way I tend to handle it, uh, I'm, I'm not a guru of any kind. I'm oh, yeah. not an expert in it, but I, I seemed, it seems to be working okay that if I, I, I would say no matter what, including weekends and stuff, get up at the same time. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that, regardless of how much sleep you actually got, you're going to feel like you got the same amount of sleep. Okay. I mean, Just because like, your body phys- is expecting to get up at that time anyway. Yeah. Physiologically, like you're not going to be as healthy. Mm-hmm. But as far as mental states go, you're going to feel rested. Yeah. Um. Now, so, don't get me wrong, that's, like, a hard thing to do to get to that point, mm-hmm. but I, I, it's feasible. What about when you have a thing that starts at 7? I don't know when you usually wake up, but I'm guessing it's not before 7? No, it's not. It, I get up at 8 o'clock every day. Yeah, so I, you have a class, and they just had to change around one lecture time, and now it starts at 7 this week. Well, I mean, do the opposite, then. Uh, you... You do your uh, you do your best to have a regular sleep schedule, and the result of that is that when you don't have a regular when you have to break that schedule, you can easily fall back into it. So mm-hmm. if you have to get up earlier, it's the same as g- going to sleep an hour or two later. Mm-hmm. I, that's the best advice I can give because yeah. I, I, again, I haven't done a whole lot of research, but I've done enough. I was interested in sleep for a while, so. It makes sense. I have the hardest time implementing it and getting up with my alarm and that kind of stuff, but it's yeah. something else I've been thinking about. Not really related to any heading. <laughs> yeah. Um, Just wake up in the middle of the night. This sleep that I'm doing, why am I doing it? <laughs> I mean, like, it's necessary to do stuff and to be a functioning adult, but it doesn't tie directly to the heading. Well, yeah, I... I... I'm trying to think. I, I'm trying to think of a solution to your socialization versus sleep thing. Mm-hmm. There's not an easy one. It's just don't do that. Find a different way to spend time with people you enjoy being around. Mm-hmm. And if if you like, if you're feeling that it affects your health, then I think your friends will understand. They're not going to think any mm-hmm. less of you for like. Hey guys, like I have to get up at seven. Do you think we could not do this till one a.m.? Yeah, I mean there are also social pressures coming into a new community and one that already existed before me. Oh, but for sure, yeah. Uh, again, I'm not claiming any of this is easy. It's just <laughs> what you kind of have to do if you want to have good sleep, which you don't actually. I mean, no one's forcing you to sleep well either. Like. <laughs> You probably okay, should. But I, but... I do feel better on the days when I sleep better. <laughs> Just ignore all the symptoms of sleep deprivation and you'll be fine. No. 
No can do. All right, so that's uh, it for this week. As far as the the normal flow of the podcast goes, we're going to jump into our book club. We're reading Turtles All the Way Down up to some chapter, chapter nine. Um, so if you haven't caught up with us, uh, do that now. Pause, mm-hmm. come back. If you're too far ahead, uh, forget everything you know and reread the book. <laughs> and if you don't read the book and just want to hear us talk more that works too uh but spoiler alert there will be spoilers was it a a spoiler alert for the podcast that there will be spoilers in the future (laughs) maybe that should just be a blanket spoiler alert for everything we say i don't think that's how spoiler alerts work though no yeah usually spoiler alert as a as a phrase precedes the spoiler yeah so saying, spoiler yeah. alert, there will be spoilers, you are <laughs> spoiling the podcast. Okay, well, I'm very sorry to all our listeners that <laughs> wanted to be outraged at us for having spoilers, but, um, yeah, there's gonna be spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, uh, you can subscribe on iTunes or whatever you've got. You can support us on Patreon. That is an option. And, and you can also... Oh. And if you don't want to support us on Patreon, but you're still like, what can I do to help the worrying bugs? Zach and Steven are my favorite people, uh, and they talk good, so I want to support them. <laughs> if that's the case, you should leave a comment in iTunes, because that really helps us out. Yeah. Uh, you can also reach out to us. We would love uh, whatever thoughts you have on uh, milk politics or other milk politics or <laughs> other milk politics or um, you, subways. You have to be careful what now, What your yearly Zach. heading is. What's that? You have to be careful now, Zach. You, you can't just start saying milk all the time. People are going to think that we're racist. <laughs> Listeners, if we are forced to stop covering milk politics... Don't blame us. I'm going to make a renegade milk politics podcast then. <laughs> this will be like the safe for work podcast. And then my milk <laughs> politics podcast will have to have like 18 different warning labels on it. <laughs> warning may contain speech that could be interpreted as hate. Oh, God. Even though it was not intended to be so. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. We're going to read Turtles all the way down now. We never even said our Twitter handles, which was what I was driving towards. Oh, yes. You can find me on Twitter if you want to yell at me about how many times I said milk. And I'm uh, at not Stephen Barry. Don't yell at me about milk. Yell at Zach. I'm at the puns guy. And now we're going to go into the book club. So I think the way that I read this book was inextricably linked to the capacity in which I know John Green as a video maker and a podcaster and an author. I've read a couple of his other books. Um, And I've been following the Green Brothers since I think Paper Towns came out, I believe. So it's been a while. Okay. Um, And he's talked quite a bit about the thought processes that went into this book. And so those came up as I was reading it. And I was just wondering what your relationship to John Green was, I suppose. Um, my first experience with John Green was in Crash Course, mm-hmm. uh, Crash Course World History, I think. <clears throat> uh, after that, I learned about, uh, 
I learned about uh, Vlogbrothers and uh, then that John Green wrote books. I never read them, though, until just a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I listened to the Dear Hank and John podcast, which I really enjoy, but um, I... While I do notice some uh, similarities in the thought process, I guess, uh, I it's not something that was in the back of my head while I was reading the book. Mm-hmm. Although, uh, my first note on page one was that this is starting off like a John Green book. How did it st- Oh, yeah. So I actually misread the first sentence and thought he was actually in like a mental hospital, which I think was the vibe he wanted you to get. But then by the second sentence, he wanted you to be clued in that it was a school. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't clue into that till like three pages later. Uh, (laughs) So then I had to reread the first couple pages. Yeah. I mean, I have read uh, An Abundance of Catherines and I started looking for Alaska. Mm -hmm. And so far, the three John Green books that I've started have all started with um, a, a high school age kid that no one really understands. Yeah. Doing something in their head. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fine. It's not, not a complaint. It's just, yeah. it's starting off like a John Green book. I think the only one that doesn't do that is Will Grayson, Will Grayson, and that's because it's not for high schoolers. Mm. Uh, what was your typical lunch in high school, Zach? Uh, depended because we had uh, lunches broken up into those two sections and so sometimes it would be with like my section uh, of friends that I had and sometimes my friends would all be in a different section and I would just kind of float between groups of people that I knew from previous years okay uh, I, I was asking more about the food contents Oh, okay. I see. The I don't know, like school food. Did you have <laughs> it was school, school food? School food. Uh, probably half the time I had school food, and half the time I brought okay. different stuff in. They just said uh, the rectangular pizza, and it mm-hmm. just like uh, flashbacked, and I just instantly got the taste in my mouth. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> um, I I did mostly t- take a. Is it a thing to call it hot lunch in other places? Maybe. Uh, I Anyway, the school provided food was always called hot lunch regardless of the temperature. Yeah. And the people who brought their own lunch had cold lunch. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if that's a Rosendale thing or a um, everywhere thing or even a somewhere, some places thing. Some of the high schools of the people that I talked to, they just had, like, a la carte, like your cafeteria, basically. You just walked in, and they had a whole bunch of stations, and you just picked which bits of station you wanted, and then you left, and you paid for everything as you left. Yeah, I've, uh, I think I've heard of someone doing that as well. So the first resource when you look up hot lunch and cold lunch is the UW Health resource. So I'm guessing it might just be a Midwest thing. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So far, I'm hogging it. Do you uh, do you have any notes for chapter one? Um, I at some point he started talking about the microbiome, which I just picked out that that is uh, another one of John Green's favorite topics. <laughs> yep. By the end of this, I had a specific color for taking notes in things that I was like, "Oh, wow! This just means that John Green is writing this book." <laughs> 
Um, I have a thought about the microbiome as well, but it's more about the train of thought that he went through. Uh, that okay. she went through. Yeah, that was also really good. That the first couple chapters, you just didn't even. Yeah, um, chapter four was the first definitive proof that uh, Aza was a girl. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I just I was thinking about the way that your mind spirals, especially when you have a fear of something. Mm-hmm. And it, it just reminded me of um, while I was home over winter break, a uh, I should preface this with I am terrified of snakes i cannot handle them at all and um and i think it's actually gotten worse as i've gotten older which is kind of strange yeah but uh a snake skin the the part that they shed mm-hmm. got hooked onto a piece of firewood and it was brought inside and when i was refilling our wood burner with wood i saw the snake skin and uh and i had that same like I did this pretty much the same thing that Azza was doing in chapter one, where it's like snakeskin. Okay, probably not a snake in the house because it mm-hmm. definitely just got hooked on a piece of wood. Mm-hmm. But what if there's a snake in the house? Well, it would hide under that couch over there. My feet are right <laughs> by the couch. Okay, I should stand on top of the couch. What if it's in the cushions? Oh God! So I, you know, I just keep going yeah. like that until I eventually calm myself down because I, uh, I've gotten better about Mm -hmm. that kind of thing but (laughs) but that was the initial train of thought where i was like oh no yeah so i definitely sympathize with uh fearing micro microbiomes yeah i i definitely have those spirals but i don't think mine ever get quite as tight as he describes Mm -hmm. uh when she when uh shoot what's her name the friend daisy is that it yeah when daisy has that stain on her shirt mm-hmm. they she just writes it off as this is what the kids are doing now yeah and i i just had that a feeling like way too much of quote-unquote fashion is decided this way mm-hmm. where it's just like wow that is not actually that bad and then there's a clothing line now <laughs> <laughs> like whoever the the french i think french maybe european or uh maybe What's the name of that kind of English? Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe no. Okay, God, train of thought went somewhere that was not here. Like the the French or maybe English king who is too fat to button his suit. Oh yeah. So he just didn't button his bottom button, and that's just been men's fashion for like three hundred years now. Yep. Don't button the bottom button of your suit. You look like an amateur. Mm-hmm. And then Daisy, they were talking about how Daisy was such a huge fan of Star Wars. And I, I don't know, like, the chronology, when this is supposed to take place, if this is happening after The Force Awakens was oh, released. okay. But I feel like she has some thoughts one way or the other on Daisy Ridley. Okay. I, I can't speculate to it. I don't feel like I know the character yeah. well enough. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything until Chapter 3. Oh, God. Well, so I think it's more prevalent in um, Paper Towns, for sure, and The Fault in Our Stars. I know that the parents always have, like, a quirk. Okay, yeah. In Paper Towns, it was um, Black Santas. In The Fault in Our Stars, it was Throw Pillows. 
there's something just like, oh, look at this, cutesy, real parents. And I, I don't think I can pin yet what the parental quirk is in this book. Maybe there isn't one. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I want to know what it is if it, if it does show up. Okay, we'll be on the lookout for it. Yeah. Chapter two. Uh, at this point, I had to stop reading and go do some research. The Human Microbiota Wikipedia page does not have a in popular culture section, which I was kind of hoping it yeah. did. I actually took note of that too, but I didn't take <laughs> note of it until later because I mm-hmm. didn't think to look at it. Yeah. In your experience, have you ever met someone who had a car with a name? Yes, but they tended to not use it unless ironically but it was always the same name when they used it ironically i am not sure what you mean how would you use it ironically um well if you're just in casual conversation you'd be like okay yeah i'll go get it from my car Mm -hmm. but if you're in a more fun conversation you might be like uh bertha is holding my golf clubs and you're like who's bertha and they're like it's my car i don't this is a terrible example but that is how you would do it like they are not seriously calling their car bertha it's just Mm -hmm. a way to have fun Mm -hmm. it's not the car doesn't have a personality is what i'm saying yeah do you know anyone with a car name no (laughs) see my my family has two toyota camrys Mm -hmm. but we still call them the camry (laughs) Because we used to not have only Toyota Camrys. Yeah. So there's one that is the Camry and one that is the silver one. (laughs) (laughs) Even though they're both Camrys. Yeah. And one of them's not silver, thank God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they end up with shorthand, I suppose. But I I don't know anyone who does... A human name. Henry or uh, Road Hard Put Away Wet. Although I... Do you recall John Green having a certain personality for his car, even though it might not have a name, but I think mm-hmm. he does personify it hmm. in, a, in one of the podcasts. I'm pretty sure he said something about that. And then I'm on to chapter three as well. Okay. So, I, ironically, uh, when we're talking about microbiomes, when they go into that river, like this is an actual opportunity for them to contract a stomach bug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, they call it, he calls it out, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does, but not immediately when I took the note, so there. Yeah. Was, uh, so I was actually really confused. Maybe I just, like, misread something. But I thought that they said that they were going to the narrator's house and then to... At this point, I was using the wrong pronouns, actually, for the narrator. That's funny. Um, I thought they were going to the narrator's house and then they were going to uh, the friend's work. And, it, like, it seemed like they just left school, and then they were on their way to work, and then they were like, and then I took the wrong exit, which was towards my house. Okay, no. The Daisy called mm-hmm. called in sick, even though she wasn't, mm-hmm. which was okay, because she needed to babysit her uh, siblings yeah. anyway, right? But when they were, like, in chapter two or chapter one, they were talking about, at the end of chapter one, Daisy said, okay, well, how about we go to your house, mm-hmm. and then after that, I need to ride to work. Yeah, so they go to the house, and I think the wrong exit still took them to the house, even though maybe the longer, more scenic route. It was an excuse for John Green to comment on uh, the beauty of the city, I think. Okay, alright. That's how I read it, at least. Um, 
But yeah, they went to the house. She called in sick at some point in there, and then they mm. went down the river. Yeah, I followed that. It was just why they were going the direction they were that I was unsure on. And then the honeysuckle, that was the John Green thing. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> apparently, and I'm on to chapter four. Uh, oh, go ahead. Apparently, John Green had some honeysuckle growing in his backyard that he had to just keep chopping down. Mm-hmm. So it's just something that he put in a book from his personal life, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what this was in reference to, so give me a minute. You can say your note. Um, just generally that he captures the like interlinked trains of thought pretty well. I don't either quite remember where that thought was, but the freaking out and then, oh, but actually like this will be a good chance to see him and then continued freaking out in the way that they jump from one to the other and then back. Um, I think John Green captures that really well. Mm -hmm. Um, when they start talking to, uh, to date, hold on. I forget. Yeah, it's Davis. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I thought they called him something else because that was his dad's name. Um, when they start talking to Davis, when Aza went, became alone, I guess, uh, Mm -hmm. they start talking about like, their struggles and uh he's he starts talking about having the same name as his dad he was resigned to juniority Mm -hmm. um and i can't not be david pick excuse me i can't not be davis pickett i can't not be my father's son and then she she says i guess then he says i can't not be an orphan and um it just uh, Mm -hmm. it (laughs) it went down really quick um yeah and I guess he's in a sad space, but it seems like a pretty heavy topic to bring up with someone you haven't seen in a few years. Yeah, I, I guess they're linked at least in that they both lost a parent earlier. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that uh, I don't think there would be much else he would be thinking about at that point. Yeah, I suppose you're right. I just I, I know I would feel uncomfortable even saying that to someone I know really, really well. Yeah. I'm not an orphan. I would like to clarify that. I like I made it sound like that. Yeah. I would feel uncomfortable saying it to someone also because it's a lie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh and then Daisy compares it to the Tempest and I wrote I don't think it's all that much like the Tempest and then she <laughs> on the next page she said Aza says it's really not anything like the Tempest and <laughs> then I had to write never mind. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything till chapter 6. Okay. Uh, in chapter five, uh, it just occurred to me that we have not been given a description of Davis yet. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess, what do you think he looks like? Like what um, is his, what's his uh, image in your head? <laughs> Tall, square Zach Efron. Square? Well, yeah, like, I don't know. Zach Efron isn't as square as the guy that I'm imagining. He has okay. more like square shoulders and a square face. Okay. Um, you know, uh, like just kind of a general, the idea of prep school. He looks like the yeah. concept of. I don't know. I don't know why, but I'm imagining him much younger. It, it, he shouldn't be because he's. Uh, mm. But yeah, Tall Square Zac Efron in High School Musical. I guess I should specify oh, age. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Zac Efron's like thirty, isn't he? <laughs> Probably. Uh, no, I'm imagining him more like uh, the actor who plays Ender in Ender's Game. But like, uh, like you said, more square, more, uh, 
It's basically just the hair, I guess. It's that weird, uh, not weird, it's that, yeah, mm -hmm. okay. It's like mostly buzzed in Ender's Game, isn't it? Maybe I'm misremembering it. Anyway, you sh listener, I'm just going to do a quick description. I'm not going to try to compare him to anything. Okay. Uh, average build, maybe a little skinny, uh, dark hair, semi-long, uh, not like hot, but uh, not unattractive. Yeah. But yeah, pro now that you say it, it probably would be more preppy. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll see how my opinion of him gets shaped. My uh, yeah. description of him gets shaped as we go. I, I think in my head, his little brother looks a little more like the kid from Ender's Game. Okay. Longer hair, I suppose. But um, I'm I'm have a lot of questions. I don't know. That's not yeah typical for a book club. But uh, I think it is. Not this many. I have maybe one or two. Um, okay. So they talk about uh, impulse control a little bit. So yeah, in chapter five, uh, I was just wondering it, how do you, if at all, practice impulse control? Not very well. <laughs> I'm generally not super impulsive though, so I haven't needed to hone that skill as much. I would say probably some people would disagree, but uh, I mostly just justify it by calling it listening to my body. Okay. So, you know, I'm craving an Oreo. It must be my body telling me that I uh, require the nutrition that is contained within an Oreo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... <laughs> Why else would you want an Oreo? Yeah. It's not because sugar's addictive or anything. That's... <laughs> um, I, I don't do it as much as I should. I did a, I did a weird uh, phase towards the end of last semester mm -hmm. where I would take cold showers on weekdays okay as a form of discipline i guess yeah and i when i went home from winter break i stopped doing that and i n didn't pick it back up yet mm -hmm. it, and i'm saying yet tentatively i'm not sure i'm going to because it was pretty miserable the, the hot and the cold are like you run them separately so usually i do cold at the end because i just turn off all the hot water hmm. and then it's cold and so that makes it easier because then i'm already reaching for the hot knob and so turning it off and waiting a couple seconds is effectively the same amount of effort as turning it off and then turning the other one off. Okay. Why? So ending the shower cold is... Why are you doing that? I'm just curious. A little bit discipline and a little bit it's like good for your acne and hair and stuff. Okay. Yeah. I guess year of effort dictate, dictates I should do it. Yeah. Yeah, it does. <sighs> okay. Fine. Unless you can explain why not. Your effort is, isn't you do everything. Right. It's that you do things that make sense to do more, Just, harder. Yeah, I, I should put in the effort to do it if it makes sense to do. And just objectively, cold showers are better for you. Mm -hmm. So I think and that, they, yeah. Yeah, they set a precedent of self-discipline. and. All right, fine. Why did I bring this up? Why? <laughs> uh, no, I'll report back in two weeks, see if I'm actually doing it or not. Okay. It might be above the bar of too much effort, but probably not because it's really not. It's just mm. uncomfortable. But how else do we grow, Zach? Do we grow? Yeah, it's an old guidance counselor thing. Like, you have to make yourself uncomfortable to grow. Not, like, physically taller, but, like... <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. 
Or you could do the Mike TV thing and like actually make yourself uncomfortable and grow. <laughs> okay. Here on Worrying Bugs, we bring you the best Willy Wonka deep cut references. <laughs> I was assuming it was from Willy Wonka. I didn't actually know the name. Okay, yeah. Okay, I'm, in, I'm to chapter six now. Okay. I, you had questions for me, now I have a question for you. How much fan fiction have you read in your life? Um, not very much. And I'm not just saying that to protect my um, fragile... Uh, uh, Integrity. In, yeah, sure. Um, I, I legitimately have not very, read very much fan fiction. Um, however, I, I, I do like reading uh, short indie stories, I guess. Just... I t- they tend not to be about characters that are already made up. Mm-hmm. Like, where do you find short indie stories? Oh, um, there's a Instagram channel, not channel, uh, account with writing prompts. Okay, and yeah. you can just look in the comments mostly. But sometimes they like link to other places. But yeah, um, you know, just if I find them, that kind of thing, I like reading them because they're usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. But no, I usually don't. I, I tend to stay away from the the Star Wars ones, especially the ones that involve um, uh, things I wouldn't necessarily want someone seeing in my browsing history. <laughs> Fair enough. I... But there's, like, again, sorry, I, I have to say this because okay. it makes me feel yeah. good to, to say it, but there's nothing wrong with it. I just don't yeah. tend to look for it. Yeah, no, I, it's definitely like a a party thing almost for me like i've been at doing stuff or i've had people over at the house and like sonic fan fiction will just come up and some of that is glorious like the there's that curve like there's a movies and then there's b movies which are just fun to watch because they're bad and then there's like bad but trying too hard and and then there's really bad Mm -hmm. and it's it's on that like upswing Of really bad. There was some Inspector Gadget fan fiction. Oh my gosh. That I think I read one I Christmas. Oh no, no. one New Year's. I have to stop thinking about this right now. You do. Um, and then My Immortal, which is like a famous fan fiction. Uh, it's, yeah, I've heard of that. It's loosely based on like mid-2000s emo culture mm-hmm. as well as uh, Harry Potter, but only sort of. It's fun to do dramatic readings of, um, to <laughs> oh my gosh, to like put on my very good reading voice and then say that Dumbledore shouted at them, "Why have you done this?" <laughs> the character's name is Dumbledore in that. I'm. There's also Vlodemort. Oh, Darko. <laughs> so that's about the the extent of my fan fiction okay. forays. Well. I may or may not come back next week, next podcast, with some more knowledge. We'll see. <laughs> I'm going to do a review. <laughs> That'd give you our next book club. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were talking about the texting commandments that Aza didn't know existed. Uh, but a quick Google search returns a few different lists. Uh, some of her general texting and some of her texting honeys. Okay. Um... So, I don't remember all of them, because I didn't write them down, because it wasn't super important, but it was... Mm -hmm. Most of them were along the lines of, when you're texting your honey, always turn on your read receipts. It's a weird... uh, 
I, I don't remember the rest of them now. I, I, I failed our listeners, but... Is there something about, like, when you're flirting with someone, you spend the... You take the same amount of time to reply as they took... Oh, yeah, right, right. ...to send you something? I feel um, like that's one I've heard. Never... There was definitely one about never replying too quickly. Yeah. Which I do not subscribe to. I just... If I don't do it right away, I'm going to forget about it, so... Mm-hmm. If I get the text, reply quickly. Yeah. I have to reply quickly. You don't have to, I guess. Okay. Um, Still on chapter six, I've got one more. I have a few more. Okay. Um, so, Aza is a vegetarian, but not mm-hmm. vegan, because she ate honey earlier. Which I had to Google, is honey vegan? It is not. Yeah. I think it's contested a lot of times. Like, there are definitely vegans who make an exception for honey, or just don't think about the fact that honey is a byproduct. Yeah. Anyway, I guess the sources that I read say the reasons for honey not being vegan is that it is somewhat cruel to bees to smoke them and to and mm-hmm. take their honey. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are insects, but it, yeah, but animals nonetheless. Yeah. Um, and. When they were looking through uh, Davis's social media, I found it strange that he kept pictures of his ex. Because at least the people I know, the the circles I'm in, they mm-hmm. it, when they break up with someone, they tend to just immediately take all the pictures down. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't curate my social media profiles that actively. Usually, if something's up there, then it's just there and i guess they always like when i was in in computer classes and stuff in elementary school they would say that if you put something on the internet it's there forever so i just internalized that and just didn't bother ever taking anything down yeah (laughs) um i mean except my youtube videos old youtube videos those are gone stop trying to look (laughs) they are there forever in the sense that if you saved it while it was on the internet you have it mm. and you can't take it back but no, it doesn't are... need to be as as prominently displayed yeah. i understand i just i have that mentality about it so usually i don't think that much about the stuff that i posted in the past because i don't feel like i need to go through it for any particular reason there was this i'm not sure if it's still a trend but um there's a certain app that you can link to your instagram and it'll show you how this picture will look in the grid view in your Instagram. Oh. Because some people like post pictures three at a time so that mm-hmm. the rows can all be the same theme or the same color scheme. Yeah. And I saw this and I just thought, this is just taking it too far. It's not necessary. Okay, okay so listeners, Zach just showed me uh, an, an Instagram account where... He thinks it makes sense to have an app like that and to curate your Instagram that tightly. Well, I don't think she curates it like with an app. I think she just does. She just alternates what she posts. I don't know. The... Person, not person, person, not person, person, not person. I guess what I'm uh, what I'm getting at is that this is no longer when you start doing things like this. It's no longer social media. It's just media. Okay. It, it's not so. Instagram was never very social, to be fair. Yeah. But. It's not about sharing pictures anymore. It's about curating your like uh, your brand on Instagram, and I just do not subscribe to that way of thinking. Okay, I'll give you that. I, I just don't. 
I don't think it's unallowable that they would fair, but do like, that. But it's, it's definitely kind of for different that, reasons like, than I'm on Instagram. It's the kind of thing that I expect a corporation like Pepsi to do, mm-hmm. where they're making sure that all the pictures they post are perfect and cropped just right, so that um, if you look at look at them in the grid view, then there's no colors that clash. Yeah. And which is fine, it's just not very much fun, but maybe some people do have fun with that, so whatever. I mean every once in a while I just go to that that account and scroll through it and because it's fun to look at, so <laughs> Okay. Uh, I've got my vote. Fair. <laughs> Where did that even start? God. It was take it was keeping pictures of about your ex on your okay, yeah. social media. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I have any. Facebook probably. Mm. Oh yeah. I mean I never post anything on my Facebook, and that's how I avoid that problem. You still get tagged and stuff. Yeah, but I can't control what other people post. Yeah. I can't take down other people's posts. You can untag yourself. Still. Um, I have a few more. Do you want to say yours? Chapter 6? Yeah. Mine was, like, right at the end. Okay. So I have a comment on the whether or not Chewbacca can give consent or not. Okay, what are your thoughts on consent laws uh, in the Empire? So, Chewbacca is intelligent. Yeah. And can understand English. He can't speak English, mm-hmm. but other people can understand him. Mm-hmm. So, there is definitely a way to communicate that Chewbacca has given his consent. Right. And, like, it's a full knowing consent. Yeah, he knows what's going to happen, and I very rarely see Chewbacca be unenthusiastic about anything, so I'm sure it is enthusiastic. <laughs> uh, but yes, I do think that Chewbacca could give, could give consent. Yeah, I I don't even see why it's a... Because he has fur and, the, and they're discriminating against him, Zach. He's fur and he My... can't speak English. That's it. <laughs> okay, I have one more note. Is it about tenses? No, it's not about tenses. Okay. Uh, at the it's like at the very end, like end of the chapter transition thing. Then it's about tenses. Oh, and maybe I'm wrong. I I thought it was. Um, okay. Can I do mine at yeah, the go. end of the chapter, and then you can you can re-edit it around if I was wrong. Um, but just generally, I love like narrators or authors or any storytellers who build entire worlds. They construct a situation in which some punchline is funny. They build the whole, oh, everything in Star Wars happens in the past tense. And that probably is true. That's probably how Star Wars authors have to write, is it's all past tense because it's a long time ago in a galaxy far away. Right. But he builds this whole structure, and then right at the end, Wookiees had texting. I, I appreciate that immensely. One of my favorite things that you can do as a storyteller. <laughs> okay. Um, I actually have a, a note about the texting, too. Uh, okay. And that's, if Latin can have a word for cell phone, Wookiees can have mm-hmm. a word for texting. Because they they at least have a similar thing. Yeah, I, I guess because it's really just the verb form of... Typing something in a small device to send it to someone immediately. Yeah. Because I was going to say cell, cell and phone probably both had Latin words, but the same is true of texting the mm-hmm. the root of it is not a modern invention yeah there's probably like not wookie yolo i guess there is <laughs> that's an acronym 
It's like a new word that we humble brag. Fleek. fleek. Oh, fleek there's probably a not word, a Wookiee yeah. word for fleek. Chapter seven. I only had one note. It was four words. Okay. Poor, sad emo boy. <laughs> uh, my only note for chapter seven was that Aza Aza was not nearly this concerned about how Davis will will like feel about her trespassing while she was actually doing the trespassing. What was the concern about? I don't... She's just like, well, if I give this footage to the police, then Davis will think less of me because I was just there to get the money. Mm, okay. But, so it's showing some uh, interest, I guess, in the first the feelings of da- Davis and from, you can extrapolate from that, that she might want to spend more time with him. Yeah. Okay, I'm on to chapter eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a question for you and a personal opinion. What are okay. the acceptable circumstances for a double date to occur? I think probably all of you are already friends outside of that. I think it's weird when it's two people who know each other and then their dates, neither, like who only know the friends. Yes, I would agree with that. Um, so you, you think, just to clarify, that... Each cu- couple should be either dating or close to it. Oh, okay, I see. Um, yeah, the, that that first part answered another part of the question. That wasn't that was what I was looking for. Okay, but yeah, I I do think that it shouldn't be like a first date kind of thing. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't think a double date should should occur on the first date. Um, unless it's mutually a first date, that might be a different thing. Hmm. Like if both parties are on a first date, but if one of them is on. I don't know. I still think that's not as... Because I, I think what my issue with it is that, like, disparity and familiarity with one another. That one person is going to end up alone or stuck with somebody that they don't really know, while two people who know each other very well will converse. Right. Okay, yeah, I had a much more drawn-out picture of what the circumstances that were acceptable to me were, but... So... I think yeah, that... Yeah, okay, now I, now I need to know what the, the flowchart is. Yeah, I think so. I, there may or may not be a flowchart for next week's show, listeners. <laughs> Do you want to verbally I'm trying to preview think. the flowchart? I'm, I'm trying to think, uh, like, what are those circumstances? Like, I think all four people have to know each other. Mm-hmm. No, that's not right. Each member has to know two other people. So you have to know the person that you are, you have to know your significant other, mm-hmm. and you have to know someone from the other side. Okay. Wait, how, what's the arrangement of a double date? Do oh, the dates shoot. sit no, next wait, to each not. other or maybe across not. from each other? I say dates sit next to each other and across the table from the other two. Oh, no. In my head, it's like, I guess in this case, in the book, split by gender. Two girls on one side of the booth, two guys on the other side of the booth, mm. facing your date. I know. Because usually, I, like, at a normal I, date, it's just the two people at one table facing each other. Yeah, maybe not, though. I think that that's certainly one way to do it, and it's perfect for, um, like, a getting-to-know-you kind of situation where you're looking at each other in the eyes and stuff. But mm-hmm. if you are on a date for with someone that you know very well and... Uh, I've certainly done it where you sit next to each other and uh, maybe hold hands or something. Okay. Or, you know, nuzzle up. I. Yeah. All right, that makes sense. So 
Oh no. Okay. So we have, this is going to be a big flow chart. Yeah. <laughs> and I retract my previous statement about having to know two other people. I think okay. someone. So this is, this is a still developing opinion. Yes. So some, one of the people in the couple has to know at least one other person from the other group. Okay. Because I wouldn't have a double date with strangers. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. But then what about, so let's say you, you and I end up on a double date. Okay. What are our girlfriends supposed to do? Well, the other thing is hopefully we talk as a group and not talk as couples or friends or individuals. As individuals? <laughs> yeah. No Just talking to, to ourselves. To yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, like the the people who know each other mm-hmm. the friends they're the ones responsible so, so for making I, sure it's all four yeah we have to lead the conversation if there's a lull um and i think that if one of the people in the double date is a jerk then the person who invited them has to claim responsibility for the failure of that date how uh, but i am willing to disagree about that no that makes sense because when you're bringing someone with you on you have that to like thing, vouch you'd... for them yeah like they're not a jerk but if they turn out to be a jerk then you kind of be, have to be like sorry they were a jerk which is also why i think that double date should be with someone that you've at least gone on a few dates with beforehand mm-hmm. so you're not trying to get to know them while um yeah while also talking as a group okay i think we've spent enough time on that yeah (laughs) and it's got to happen in a booth right Mm, no i think you could do a table with four chairs but booths are certainly easier yeah booths are better in general um i have a an orange dot that signifies that this is a bit of john green's life bleeding into the book uh in chapter eight they mention 86th and ditch again or maybe for the first time and uh I'm pretty sure that he said somewhere that that was where he wrote a large portion of the novel. Oh, okay. Was on the corner of 86th and Ditch, and he just like looked up across the street and was like, "Hmm, where could they sit? I guess that Applebee's <laughs> works." Perfect. Um I was amazed at first at least I was amazed at the ease of getting Davis to go on a double date with two people he's never met and mm-hmm. one person that he's barely met. Or he knew it from a long time ago, I guess. Yeah. But then I thought about it more, and it's, like, not that weird because he... If... It's not that weird if he wants to get to know Aza better. Yeah. And then my last note, do you have any more? Nope. Okay. I, I didn't like the psychiatrist. It sounded like not a great psychiatrist. I can't speak for it. Fair enough. I think a lot of psychiatrists... From what I hear, at least, I they, like, do their best, but it's hard sometimes. Yeah. It also doesn't sound like Aza is the best patient. No. Which is not entirely Aza's fault. Yeah. The perfect patient is not ill. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so my last note is that we always stop at the good parts. I want to know what happens on this double date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's a potential, Stephen, that it's not that we're good at stopping at good parts, and instead that the more recent authors we've been reading are good at stopping their chapters at the good parts, <laughs> and we just stop on the chapter markers. Fine, I'll accept and that. We'll see. Maybe maybe there will be a chapter where like everything is resolved, and we're just <laughs> we like, huh, no I wonder what happens next. On. Yeah. 
Uh, you want to give a general thoughts overview? I'm liking it. I read it through like when the last podcast posted, so it's been a bit, but it's a, it's a good book. It's definitely by John Green, but that that's not a, I guess, a qualifier either way. Okay, it's yeah. a good book on its own merit, and also is definitely made by John Green. I'm liking it so far. Uh, it's it's not exciting, but I, it's definitely not trying to be either. So. Yeah, it's not like Reem D, where people are actually getting blown up, mm-hmm. but that would be very strange in a John Green book. So, <laughs> all right, I want to read a John Green spy novel now. <laughs> right into the podcast, say, yeah, dear John, Hank, go to sleep. Uh, please write a spy novel. I think it would mesh very well with your writing style. <laughs> I think it'd be interesting. That's all right. Well, I think with that, uh, we're going to say where we're reading to next. Good idea. Chapter seventeen is exactly page two hundred. All right. Well, then we're reading up to the beginning of chapter seventeen. We'll s- we won't see you. That's not how this works. That's not what this medium is. Uh, I'll see Stephen in. Two weeks, and you will hear me see Stephen. <laughs> and I will be seen and be heard <laughs> being seen in two weeks. <laughs> Until then, you can catch us on Twitter, on iTunes, on Patreon, on <laughs> YouTube. I don't know. I have a YouTube. Um, I have an app. Did I mention that? Yeah, Stephen has an app. <laughs> All of those things and more can be found in the show notes. Uh, if you've got like a a decent podcast client, you could probably just like hit a button or swipe over or whatever, and you can see what the show notes are. And don't forget to subscribe because we wouldn't want you to miss a single moment of worrying bugs. Get your milk politics content before it's illegal. Oh yeah, can you make an illegal podcast? Yeah, it's, it's RSS. There's not really any restrictions on it. Yeah, can you like? I mean. Okay, so assuming you host your own server... Okay, wait, on, on what grounds is it illegal, too? Okay, so... Like, it wouldn't be advertiser-friendly, but you can't... Like, we have free speech. Yeah, but you couldn't put, uh... You couldn't put child pornography, say. Right. I think hate speech would probably be the, the, the better thing to jump to there, but... So, we could host it, and then someone could sue us for posting that online, but nothing would stop us from posting it initially. Right, right, yeah. So, yeah, like, the, uh, the a newspaper could publish government secrets, and the government couldn't stop them from doing that, but they could arrest them after the fact. Right. Which I think is silly. That's kind of defeats the purpose, but that's just me. But yeah, so, we're gonna do our best to not do hate speech. Yeah, that's usually my goal. This is the longest sign-off. It is, yeah. Anyway, I'm at not Stephen Barry on Twitter. I'm at the puns guy, and we'll see you in a fortnight. Goodbye. Give you goodbye. Good, 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 good,